hook, line, and sinker. Hopefully last week we talked about that um, you got a chance to sit down with your family and have a conversation or just try and discuss some things about how you can communicate with the family more effectively, especially as we talked about Satan being the fisherman, uh, the bait being deceptive philosophies and tactics. But today we just want to jump in. This is uh, Pastor Schmidt's theme verse for this chapter. Psalm 91, 7 through 9, A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh, come nigh thee. Only with the, thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. Because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the most high, thy habitation. This week I was, um, since I have my, if you want to come on in, you can feel free to come in. Um, but this week, since I had time while my son is feeding in the middle of the night, Um, I read a lot of articles, and I read an article by the Catholic Church, and it was one of the bishops writing about how they're losing so many young people in the Catholic Church, and he wrote all the reasons why he thought that. Then I happened to flip over a couple more pages in the um, thing, and it showed uh, it was probably uh, the emergent church, but they were talking about how they were losing people. People were not becoming more Christian. They were becoming more spiritual, and they listed the reasons why, because they they found errors in the church and all these things. It is no, like, no question to anybody that we are losing young people left and right, and every denomination, every religion is trying to figure it out. And I believe where it comes down to is honestly in our families. I mean, as youth pastor, I would love if I could grab every kid that ever walks through this door and somehow give them some magic dust that they would serve God, I would buy all the magic dust that I could buy. I would sprinkle everyone whether they wanted to or not. But I can't. And it comes to our families. The, um, the key verse, First Peter 5, 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The devil wants to destroy our families. Let's jump right into it. Number one, parents are the link. The link for pretty much every single young person to serve God has to come through most of the time, their parents. I know there's certain situations where kids don't have parents, and we've dealt with those when we were in Florida. We had um, three or four kids that I picked up in the van, and they, their parents didn't care about them, didn't care. I would go sit at their house. They'd be drunk, fighting. They wouldn't know anything about it, and we'd have this long talk. Then three minutes later, told the teens, they'd be like right back at square one. I'm like, we just talked about all this. But because they were so under, whatever, under the uh, influence of whatever they were, they wouldn't even know when we'd go back around a circle. We'd do that all night. And so... With both, for the most part, every single teenager that serves God is most likely going to come through their parents, parents of the link. Here we go. Hey, teenagers need their parents. Teenagers need their parents. This is important, young people, because we live in a society that says you do not need your parents. God has put your parents in your life to stop, to stand in front of you for all the things that Satan wants to attack you. You stand here, and your parents are here, and the devil is firing everything at you. Your parents are there to take the brunt of that. And if you decide to step out on the side, step out and go around them, you open yourself to every single thing the devil has to offer. You watch any movie. It's made cool nowadays, especially action movies. That there is some guy who has authority over him that finds that his authority really doesn't know what they're talking about, so if he goes behind enemy lines or if he dashes off by himself or if he goes somewhere else, he'll be the guy who jumps out two guns ablaze and shooting down everybody, walking back saying, Chief, I know you said it didn't go, but I went and I handled it. 
And sometimes even maybe as a young man, you say, you know what? My parents don't understand everything in my life. I can go around this. I understand this a little bit more because I'm in a better situation than they are. And you go out and try to go there. And I am telling you, the devil cannot wait for you to try it because he is going to eat your lunch. You think that you'll go out there in a blaze of glory trying to get out there and do the thing that you believe you know the best what to do? The devil is just waiting for you to do it. Because I will tell you, he will hit you with an RPG that will blow your mind, ruin your life. We live in a society that says to a young lady, guys, say go with your gut. Lady, follow your heart. Oh, man, I know that he's a beast. But inside, Father, there's more than that. And sing a little song. You know what? You need to be behind the authority of your parents. You need your parents. The family is not something that just happened. God made it for a reason. And see, parents are the link for every young person to do it. So for a guy to say, you know what, I know a little better way to do this, you're wrong. For a young lady to say, you know what, I don't know if they really understand the situation I'm going to. They've never quite felt like I have. You're wrong. The parents are the link. And teenagers, you need you need your parents. Talked about this in the, boys, uh, in the boys when we had small groups. One day you'll wake up, you'll be 25 years old, you'll look around and you'll be like, wow, dad was right. Life is stinking hard. <laughs> it is not the way I thought it was when I thought that I was going to be driving my BMW to my $400,000 a year job because I thought I knew everything to do. No, you'll find out that you know what? I needed my parents, and they were right about the situations. So letter A, teenagers need their parents. Letter B, teenagers need God's word. Teenagers need God's word. Teenagers need strong parental leadership in order to make right decisions, but they also need God's word. Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. This is how important God said his word was. And thou shalt love, this is God speaking, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them, to thy, to teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thy house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, when thou risest up, and thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. You say, Pastor Burden, that's Old Testament. Don't go over the New Testament, Second Timothy three fourteen through 17. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished into all good works. Teenagers need their parents, and teenagers need the word of God. I have had friends that grew up, and their moms and dads made them do their devotions. I did not grow up in a home like that. My mom and dad never made us do Devotions. My mom always recommended it. She always told us that we should, but she never made us. And I grew up with friends that their parents made them at a certain time sit down and do their devotions. I don't know which way is the best way to do it. But I do know somehow your children need the word of God. And teenager, you need, if you're old enough to be in this class, in a youth group, you're old enough to open your Bible by yourself and get something from it. Pastor Burton, I don't understand it. Ask someone. Just ask. You come ask me, you can come ask your parents, ask Pastor Scott, ask Pastor Toman, ask all the deacons around here. We've got, there's so many people that ask here. It's ridiculous. Ask. See, what we find is 
we do not really believe the word of God. We do not really live the word of God. We talk about it. It's like the book that we come to church and we, we really sit around and that was a great message. But when it comes down to it, we, our lives are not changed. Teenagers need the word of God. When I left Florida, one of my best friends, he said, Aaron, I don't have a lot of good advice to give to you, but he said, this is all I can tell you. He was a, um, he was a house parent at a children's home. And he said, the one thing I've learned is keep feeding them the word of God. He said, you can tell them all the jokes, you can do all the activities, but if you don't give them the word of God, you have in no way helped them. And that was his information that he left me with. Teenagers need the word of God. So, number two, the truth crisis in our culture. And here's where, here's where the part is. Because honestly, teenagers know everything I just said because they've been to camp, they've been to snow camp, they've been to every other retreat, Pastor Burton preaches it all the time, so they know that. Here comes where we ain't working as parents, the truth crisis in our culture. A, it is incredibly difficult to establish spiritual principles that are foreign in the home. It's incredibly difficult to establish spiritual principles that are foreign in the home. This is Carrie Schmidt's exact from the book. And I want you to listen to this because when you listen to it, this is our culture. And sadly, this is how sometimes we do think about the word of God. Carrie Schmidt, Carrie Schmidt said this, I find myself in the uncomfortable position. Oh, uh, yeah, I find myself in the uncomfortable position of challenging teens to pursue a God that their parents are not pursuing, to love a God supremely who their parents love only casually, or perhaps trying to lead a teen to a life of full commitment to Christ when at home they're being taught more of a nonchalant commitment. In many Christian homes, God ranks right up there with little league practice, night classes, and music lessons, and often gets pushed aside at the whim of any of the above. He is more of a hobby that fits in the schedule than the central focus, passion, and purpose of the schedule. That is somehow how we're described. How we're defined. That we ask teenagers, they go to camp and they send it to a preacher and they say, hey, you need to get these things out of your life. And they come home and those same things that they've just been asked to get out and that they've went to an altar or went to a counselor with and cried and asked God to help them with, they go home and a parent that says, you know what? That's not big, that big of a deal. See, what we watch on TV in our house isn't that big of a deal. I control the television. You just keep doing what you want to do. That's how we live. And Kerry Schmidt, in multiple of his books, says that the, most, the biggest thing he's found out, and he said this at Youth Workers Conference, is that he'd rather have meetings and services with his parents than with his teenagers because he said what he wants to do is get those same parents to pursue God the way the young people do. I will tell you, as a whole, our youth group is not perfect. We have so many flaws, so many holes. But I will say, as a, for the most part, I don't know of too many of the teenagers in here that do not want to serve God with all their heart that do not want to follow God and pursue God to the best of their abilities. So then it would fall on us as parents and leaders to make sure that we provide that environment. See, it is incredibly difficult to establish spiritual principles that are foreign in the home. When I was ordained, after I got through the hard questions and they asked me all this stuff about this Bible doctrine and that Bible doctrine and what do you believe about this, and after the whole two or three hours of all that, one of the... Um, one of the older guys on, the, on the, my committee there, he said, Aaron, let me ask you a question. He's like, what are you doing in your family? He's like, you can have all your doctrine and stuff, right? But he's like, if you don't know where your wife is spiritually, what do you know about your family? Aaron, when was the last time you prayed with your wife? When was the last time you prayed with your children? 
And I mean, he just started drilling me with all the hard stuff. Man, I can answer the other stuff. Well, tell me about this Christophanes over here. Well, this is such and such and this. Well, I studied that in college. But then he started hitting me with, hey, Aaron, how was your home? Because that's what's going to affect your ministry the most. And I started thinking, man. And he said, he said this. He said, Aaron, I'm going to look at you and be serious. He said, Aaron, your home will never be any more spiritual than you are. He said, your wife will never rise to a spiritual height that you have not reached. Your children will never reach a spiritual height that you have not reached yourself. And that has been my thing. I always think that. Because like, all, all I remember from my ordination is that, is that Brother Ruffin looked at me and said, Aaron, your family will never rise spiritually until you have. They will, you cannot expect anything out of them that you don't expect out of yourself. And that comes to us as parents. Do I expect for my teenager to listen to godly music, but if I pull out my iPod, my iPhone, my MP3 player, it's not godly? Can I expect my children to have discernment and television and movies and entertainment if I sit in the other room and watch something and tell them they have to leave the room because there's too much cursing? I'm preaching to myself also. See, the parents are the link. Teenagers need their parents and teenagers need the word of God. But it is difficult, pretty much impossible, for us to raise young people to follow God and ask them to be passionate about it if we are not ourselves passionate. For me to get up in this youth group and to tell these kids something they ought to do when they know in my life it is not the case, I'm a hypocrite. And the same thing happens in our homes. Because honestly, these kids know when I say something from up here, if it's not that way at home, all the thing is, yeah, Pastor Burton, you keep talking. My mom, my dad, they don't think that's important. If our kids don't know we read the Bible, if my kids don't know we pray, we're not helping them. We're not encouraging them to do anything else. And so there's nothing I can do as saying, as Aaron Burton said to Shilin and Tavian, hey guys, I really want you to serve God. And when I myself am not serving him and I am myself not passionate about it, I am a hypocrite. And I cannot be helped to them. We must get to the point where we as parents desire God just as much as we want our teenagers to. Being the future of Christianity will be determined by, found, by the foundation parents lay in their homes. The future of Christianity will be determined by the foundation parents lay in their homes. The church can only reinforce what your kids are learning from you at home. As a youth pastor, I can, I can try and break new ground. I can work hard. But really, in the whole scope of things, I get young people for maybe an hour, <laughs> my preaching an hour and a half, two hours on Wednesday, and on Sunday morning during Sunday school. But the rest, I mean, they can come stop by my office and some of them do, sit in a chair, we talk, shoot the breeze. But that's about my thing. I mean, I try to come to a, a sporting event or try and talk to them when they have a problem, but I do not have the same scope of influence as a parent has. And I don't want it. One of the things in our youth group, we want a strong foundation, spiritual focus, support for the family. I do not want in any way to usurp the authority over any parent in here. If you guys have an activity with your family and I have an activity, you forget my activity and you go on your family activity. That's the way I stand. I am no way trying to, my, I am here to support the family, not to take it over. But what we have to come to is that I can only do what 
you've laid down as a foundation. If your kids don't have the foundation, I have nothing to build on. So if I come in and I try and tell these kids about, hey, don't listen to such and such music. Well, if they have no foundation in listening to the right music, you know what they're going to say? <laughs> Pastor Bernard, I understand that works for you, and I appreciate that. And they're not going to be rebellious about it. They're going to say, I appreciate that. I appreciate that preaching. Man, I love your lessons. They're just going to walk away unchanged. Until the foundation is laid somewhere that, hey, we don't do that. Hey, in this house, as for me and our house, we're going to serve the Lord. If that is not made, pretty much they come to youth group and they have fun. One of the things that so many people ask me, and I'm just going to be transparent here for just a little bit. I am not at all against teen soul winning. Lots of people have asked me when I got here, when are we going to have a time for teen soul winning? I am not against teen soul winning. I am for teen soul winning. Right now, I do not know where to fit in the schedule to ask everybody to be here at certain times to do these things. But ultimately, as a, as a freshman, I pulled out one of my youth philosophy papers as a 